right. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you today. I know that the uh, kids had a great time this weekend, and uh, Parker moving up here. He's staying in the parsonage up the road, and uh, worked out to be a great weekend to bring him up for Disciple Now. Was not planned. It just worked out that way. Uh, but we told him this week as he's getting ready to come up, the house is all ready for you. Furniture's there. Everything's ready to go. Uh, by the way, you're hosting all the Disciple Now boys uh, when you get there. And uh, he did a great job. We assume the house is still standing. Of course, today, if it's not, he can always blame it on the wind, right? Uh, so we appreciate him being here and a uh, great weekend for him to come and get to know some of the kids. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke chapter 19. We've been in a series of messages over the last uh, few weeks, several weeks, where we're looking at different encounters that people have had with Jesus. And as we look at these encounters, we're looking at their response to that encounter with Jesus, but we're also seeing the response of those around, those that are watching the encounter with Jesus. And we've seen all kinds of different responses through this. And today we're going to continue on with that thought. And in Luke, the 19th chapter, we're going to be looking at a story that is probably familiar to many of us here this morning. It is the story of a tax collector that encounters Jesus. And this tax collector's name is Zacchaeus. Anybody heard the name Zacchaeus before? Uh, nobody. Wow. Wow. You must put them to sleep while you're up here. So Zacchaeus. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you, when I said Zacchaeus, a song came to your mind? Anybody? All right. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I tried to sing it in the early service, but Shane shut me down. He said, no, I can't sing. Uh, literally can't sing. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Lord passed his way, he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. Remember that song? You may learn that uh, back in the day. few of you. Uh, Zacchaeus is a short story in the Bible. It's only... 10 verses long that we see this story of Zacchaeus. And when we learned about Zacchaeus through that little, short, sweet, fun song that we sang as a kid, it really doesn't give us a whole lot of information about who Zacchaeus really is. And even in these short verses, we don't get tons of information, but there's enough there that we can learn about Zacchaeus. So just going to throw this out today. This is a, uh, we sang it as a simple song that we learned about a simple man that we learned about. And it really truly is a very simple story today, but it's a simple story of God's grace and God's mercy. Think about the gospel message. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God made the gospel message a simple story for us. Because if he didn't, I wouldn't be able to get it. And looking out at some of you, neither would you. So, so it's simple today, simple message of God's grace and his hope. So look with me, if you would, at Luke, the 19th chapter, as we look at this story today. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road and Jesus, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to come together, study your word together. God, I pray right now that you would remove all the distractions that we have today. God, I pray that we would only focus on you during this time as we dive into your word and see what you have for us. So God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to hear what you would have us to hear, see what you would have us to see, and respond in whatever way you would have us to respond? And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So we have this story of Zacchaeus. If you were to go back into chapter 18, you will see that Jesus tells the disciples that we are on our way to Jerusalem. And as he tells them that, he explains to them why he's going to Jerusalem. And he lets them know that his time is come. It is time for him to go to the cross. It is time for him to go and to die for our sins. That time has come, and so he lets the disciples know that they are headed there to Jerusalem. And as they are heading towards Jerusalem, they have to pass through this town of Jericho. And at the end of chapter 18, it says as they were coming into the town of Jericho, they run across this blind man who is sitting on the side of the road. The blind man is sitting on the side of the road begging, hoping that he can get people that will help him out. And he hears the crowd. He hears a ruckus that's going on. And he asks somebody, he said, what is happening? What is happening around me? And people said, it is Jesus that is coming through. And so the man starts crying out to Jesus. And Jesus hears him and he tells him, bring the man to me. And this man that came to Jesus that day was blind physically. But we see in that story that when he gets to Jesus, he recognizes Jesus as Lord. And he calls him Lord. And he tells Jesus that, I just want to be able to see. And Jesus lets him know, your faith has made you well. And it's in that story that we see this blind man physically, but he was not blind spiritually because he knew who Jesus was. In this story, when we continue on into chapter 19, it's just a continuation of chapter 18. Now they're making their way through Jericho. So the blind man before Jericho, now as they're going through the town, he runs across this man, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is just the opposite of the blind man that we see at the end of 18. For Zacchaeus can see physically, but at this point in his life, he is blind spiritually. And so Zacchaeus, knowing that Jesus is coming to town, wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. He wants to take a look at him, and he is going to do what he can to see Jesus as he passes through. 
Now, as we look at this story, there are several things that we see about Zacchaeus that I want to take a little closer look at this morning. And the first thing I want us to do is to notice his occupation. It says here that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Now, that's important for our story to understand his occupation. The way we identify people many times is by what they do. I know this is especially true for guys. We meet somebody new, we'll talk to them for a few minutes, but one of the first things we want to know is what do you do? What is your occupation? What do you do for a living? And when we find out what they do, sometimes uh, we will actually judge a person by what they do. And that is true when it came to the tax collectors that we see in the scripture. Tax collectors were not looked upon very highly. Tax collectors uh, were not liked by most people. Let me ask you today, how many of you like paying taxes? Anybody? Uh, nobody? Let me make sure you're with me. How many of you hate paying taxes? All right. But we know that, you know, taxes are necessary for certain things. But we also know, because we see it in our world today, that there's taxes that are collected a lot of times for things that aren't necessary, right? And I'm sure it was true then. So people didn't like paying taxes to begin with. But now you have these tax collectors. And the way it worked back then with the tax collectors is the government had their tax that they were going to collect. And the tax collector would agree that they're going to pay the government the amount that they wanted. And in exchange for the tax collector agreeing to that, then the tax collector could set up his booth, he could collect taxes from people, and he could collect more than what the government required. And everything that he collected over what the government required would go into his pocket. Now, it says that he's not just a tax collector, but he is a chief tax collector, which means that he has other tax collectors under him. So these other tax collectors, and it was not uncommon for them to charge four times over the amount of what they owed. So these other tax collectors would collect money, and then they would give part of that money to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would collect money, and he would put that in his pocket. And so it says here that he was a tax collector, and he was rich. And the way that he became rich would have been through taking the extra taxes and putting them in his pocket. So picture it like this. The tax man comes to your house and he sits down at your table and he lays it out and he says, here is what you owe. This is what the government requires of you. And by the way, not only are you going to pay what the government requires of you, but I am going to take four times that amount on top of that for myself. And you don't have a choice. You have to pay it. What would your thoughts be of that guy that's sitting at your table now? And this is what was happening to these people every day. Now, keep in mind, Jericho was a border town. And so people would come in and out of Jericho, and they would do a lot of trading. They would buy their supplies. They would buy their goods. There were also people that would move in and out of Jericho. And so the way these taxes worked is you were taxed on all the items that you had. And you may have been taxed on those before, but guess what? You're going to get taxed again. And they're going to tax you on all of these items and not just the sales tax that you know you're going to have to pay, but four times that amount. So it's important to understand Zacchaeus' occupation. 
Because that gives us an understanding of why he would not have been very well liked or very well received. Tax collectors were despised by others. Tax collectors were not the kind of guy that you want to be hanging out with. Tax collectors were probably, if mom was a good mom, not the kind of son that she would really be proud of in that day. And so here's this tax collector. And we see that in Scripture, tax collectors uh, are not well looked upon. And sometimes we forget, as we read through the Scriptures, that one of Jesus' first disciples was also a tax collector. His name is Matthew. And here's what the Scripture says about Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in this tax collector's booth, Follow me and be my disciple. And Jesus said to him, So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So you get this picture of Matthew who is sitting in his tax booth collecting taxes. He has started in this career, which has the potential to be a very lucrative career for him. He's going to make a lot of money if he stays doing this. Probably enough money to support him, to support his family, and to support others if he chose to do so. So he's got this career that is going. It's a lucrative career. And here comes Jesus. Jesus comes along and he looks at him and says, Matthew, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. And it says that Matthew left all that behind. Kind of gives me a different thought about Matthew. He was willing to lay everything aside to follow Jesus. But it says Matthew decides that he's going to host supper for Jesus and the disciples. And he invites them over to his house. And not only does he invite them, but he invites other tax collectors. I mean, if, you want to, if, you want, if you're Jesus and you want to reach out to all the tax collectors, who better to use to get tax collectors than a tax collector, right? And so Matthew invites these tax collectors and other people, and the religious leaders look at this, and they see this, and they say, why in the world is your teacher, why in the world is your Jesus hanging out with such scum? That's what the Scripture said. Pretty harsh words, right? I mean, that tells you how low these people were looked upon. They were not liked. No one wanted to be around them. But I love what Jesus' response was there. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. And speaking to the righteous leaders of that day, he said, it's not the righteous that recognize their need for a Savior. It's the sinner, and that's who I came for, were those who would recognize their need for a Savior. So in this story, we have this tax collector. That was his occupation. That is what he did for a living. That was his occupation that was making him all kinds of money. And yet on this day, he wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. So not only do we see his occupation, but I want you to notice his stature. 
Notice that it says that he was too short to see over the crowd. He was short in stature. Now, I'm not sure why it is important here that it is mentioned that he was short. Maybe it's because if you see a normal height guy climb up into a tree to look for Jesus, that might look a little silly. Maybe it was uh, because in that day, uh, maybe they looked down on somebody because of their appearance. I'm glad we never do that in our day, right? Sometimes, not only do we judge a person by their occupation, but sometimes we judge a person by the way they look. If they don't look quite like we think they should look, then we can place judgment on them. And Scripture doesn't tell us that that's what's happening in this day, but I can tell you I know that it happens in our day. Someone doesn't dress the way we think they should dress. Maybe they're too tall. Maybe they're too short. Maybe they're too wide. Maybe they're not as pretty as we think they should be. Maybe they're not as ugly as we think they should be. How many of you have ever talked to somebody on the phone? Maybe you've talked to them several times, and then you finally see them in person, and they never look like you thought they were going to look, right? And it's like, who are you? No, you don't. No, you can't be that person. But we judge people by the way they look, right? And it happens all the time. So, Here he is, a man that is short in stature. But I want to tell you this, it's been said for many years, that the stature of a man is not based on how tall he stands, but how low he bows before the Lord. Zacchaeus on this day may have very well been the shortest man in town that day. But I can tell you this, by the time we get to the end of the story, we see that Zacchaeus was actually the tallest man that day. Because he humbled himself and he bowed low before the Lord and his life was radically changed. So we see his occupation. We see his stature. But I want you to notice the obstacles that he faced on this day. Zacchaeus would have had a couple of obstacles getting to Jesus on this day. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was a crowd that was surrounding him. Remember, as he's coming into the city that there's a crowd that's following him, a blind man hears the crowd and asks what's going on. So there was a crowd that was following Jesus and some in the crowd were following Jesus because they wanted to see the next great miracle that he would do. Some would follow Jesus because they wanted to hear what next uh, thing that he might say that they wanted to hear. They were following Jesus for many different reasons. Some were following Jesus because they had had a radical experience with Jesus. They had had an encounter with him that had changed their life. But there would be a crowd that was surrounding Jesus as he came through the town. And you can almost picture Jesus in the middle of this crowd as he's walking, and the crowd just moves along with him. And so you have this crowd around Jesus that would be an obstacle for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is not well-liked. He is not one that people wanted to associate with. So you can almost picture this crowd that's around Jesus, and here comes this short man, Zacchaeus, who can't see over the crowd, and maybe he tries to make his way into the crowd, and people will be pushing him back. No, that's Zacchaeus. Don't let him in. Don't let him get close. Don't let anyone see me standing close to him. I don't want my reputation to be ruined because I have been nice to this man, Zacchaeus. And so with the crowd around him, he's not able to get up and see Jesus. So he had the obstacle of the crowd. And he also had the obstacle of his height, obviously. 
says he was too short to see over the crowd. And so these obstacles are in his way for him to get to Jesus. But we see here that he's not going to let these obstacles stop him on this day. He's not going to let the obstacles get in the way. So the scripture says that he runs ahead and he finds a sycamore tree that he climbs up in because he knew that that's where Jesus would be passing by. He said, these obstacles aren't going to stop me from seeing Jesus today. But I wonder in our lives, how many obstacles have been in our way to get to Jesus? Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hear us say it all the time, and I'll say it a couple more times in this message, that the most important decision you will ever make in your life is to give your life to Jesus Christ. It is really a life or death decision. It determines where you are going to spend eternity. And Scripture tells us that we have an enemy that's roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking everyone that he can devour, those that he can destroy. And Satan's goal is to destroy your life and to do everything he can to keep you from getting to Jesus Christ. He will do everything. We have lots of obstacles in our life that can keep us from getting to Jesus. Even after we come to know Christ and we desire to grow closer to Christ, there will be obstacles that get in our way that will hold that back. We talked about this yesterday morning in a discipleship group that we've got going that we started a couple weeks ago. And there have been many obstacles that have come up in the way that could hinder us, that could keep us from being a part of that because we have an enemy that does not want us to grow closer to the Lord, does not want us to grow closer to each other within the body of Christ. We have an enemy that's out there. And we allow distractions many times to get in our way. We have a distraction going on right now with the wind blowing that can keep us from hearing what God wants us to hear today if we focus on the distraction more than we focus on what God wants. Which now that I threw it out, you're like, oh, I didn't even notice the wind until you said it. So, but we have these distractions in our life. But what I love about this story is you have this man that could have easily said, it's not worth it. I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to be able to see Jesus. The crowd's too big. I'm too short. I don't like climbing trees. I fall out of trees every time I climb them, so I get that. Um, I, I don't, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. Can I tell you that following Jesus and knowing Jesus is not always the easy thing? Sometimes it's the hard thing to do. But Zacchaeus did not give up. Zacchaeus did not let these obstacles get in his way and stop him from seeing Zacchaeus. And so we get to the point where we see his transformation. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Jesus is passing by. And don't miss this in the story. In, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. And he said, Zacchaeus? Come down. I, I'm going to your house today. It's very important in there that we see that Jesus called him by name. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. Not only did Jesus know the name of Zacchaeus, but Jesus would have known everything about Zacchaeus. And Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I wonder as I read this story, what made Zacchaeus want to go and see Jesus so bad that day? 
Could it be that Zacchaeus heard the story that's in the first part of chapter 18 where Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? And the Pharisee was all pious and depending on his religion and how good he was. But it was the tax collector that was standing back with his head bowed, recognizing that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. Could it be that he heard that story and he thought for the first time, the world around me rejects me daily. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus won't reject me. Maybe Jesus will see me for who I am, not for what I do or the height of my body. Could it be? It doesn't tell us in here exactly what it is. But I know that he had a heart to see Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he called him out by name. And what that tells us is that Zacchaeus was searching for Jesus that day. But more than that, Jesus was searching for Zacchaeus. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a moment. Jesus was searching for Zacchaeus. What Zacchaeus didn't know when he got up that morning was that he was going to have a life-changing encounter with this man named Jesus. He didn't know that he was going to have this life-changing encounter that would transform his life, not just for today, but for all of eternity. Zacchaeus had a powerful encounter. And Jesus calls him by name. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Now, I don't know about you, but that one kind of gets me a little bit because of our culture. That would be an odd thing, right? We meet somebody for the first time. They say, I'm coming over to your house. Have supper ready. Get it ready. Hey, if Jesus would have said that to me, I'd been like, whoa, Jesus. You're coming to my house today? I'd be calling my wife up. Make sure the dog's put away. Make sure the house is clean. Uh, get everything done because Jesus is coming over. And then I would look back at Jesus and say, can you give me two weeks? And I will have you ready. But that, this was common in that culture, and it was a good thing. And it says that Zacchaeus comes down out of that tree, and he's like, yes, with excitement and joy, Jesus is coming to my house today. Excitement and joy in his life. A transformation is taking place. And we should have excitement and joy in our life because of the transformation that Jesus makes in our life. Have you been transformed by him today? Do you have the joy of the Lord? That's what we see in this passage this morning. Joy and excitement. And he takes Jesus to his house. They go into the house of Zacchaeus. The crowd gathered around. They start to murmur. They start to talk. And they say, I cannot believe that Jesus is in the house of a man like this. I cannot believe that Jesus would hang out with somebody as low as a tax collector. I cannot believe that he would do that. And so they are complaining and they're griping. Zacchaeus tells Jesus, he goes, listen, I'll give half of my money to the poor. I'll give back to anyone I've cheated on their taxes four times. Now, here's what's interesting about that. When you look back at the Old Testament law, if you did something wrong to somebody, if you took more than you should have from somebody, then you needed to give them back 20% more. And he's saying, I'm going to give half. I'm going to give four times. So he is doing more than what the law even required him to do. And why is he doing that? 
Well, if you go on down, then Jesus says that salvation has come to this house. But I want you to know this. He's not talking about what Zacchaeus is doing. Jesus is responding to the crowd when he says that. He's responding to the crowd and he says, what you need to know is that salvation has come to this house today. And what we see Zacchaeus doing by giving back is he is making restoration to the harm that he has done. He is restoring relationships. His relationship with Christ has been restored. And now the fruit of that is coming out to other people. So I want you to notice this. This day in Scripture, Zacchaeus was saved. It is on this day in Scripture that Zacchaeus gave his life to Christ. How do you know that? Because Jesus said it, salvation has come today. Why did salvation come to him? Because of Jesus knew he was going to give the money back? No, had nothing to do with that. Salvation came that day because he had a heart that was ready to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's what happened. And his life radically changed at that moment as Jesus Christ changed his life for eternity. What an encounter that he had with Christ that day. He didn't know how it was going to turn out. He just knew that he needed to get in front of Jesus. He knew that he had to see Jesus. And then when Jesus called him by name, Jesus accepted him as he was. You know, it could have been very easy in this story that Jesus could have told him, you know what, Zacchaeus, you go, you give the money back, you give the rest to the poor, you give all that away, and then you come to me. But what we see in this story is Jesus accepted Zacchaeus exactly as he was. Even though he was despised by others. Even though he was not the greatest man probably alive that day. Jesus said, I accept you as you are. Good news for us today is Jesus accepts us the same way. Jesus knows us just like he knew Zacchaeus. And Jesus calls us by name. He calls us out by name. Why does he do that? Well, look at that last verse, what Jesus says. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus that day. It was not a surprise to Jesus when he saw Zacchaeus in that tree. And I'll tell you this, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, Jesus is seeking you. And he is calling you by name. How will you respond? Will you respond the same way that Zacchaeus did? Where Zacchaeus came down with joy and he accepted the invitation that Jesus gave him that day. His life was transformed, never to be the same again. And now the fruit of his salvation is coming out. As he says, I'm going to give back. I'm going to return. I'm going to restore other relationships. That was the fruit of his salvation. Today, do you know Christ? Today, is he your Lord and Savior? If not, again, the most important decision you will ever make in your life is to receive him. Is he calling your name today? For those of you that have known Christ, for a while. This story is a good reminder of how he called our name. Think back to that day when Jesus called your name and you responded to his invitation and you received his grace. Did Zacchaeus deserve the grace of Jesus that day? Absolutely not. 
Do we deserve his grace today? Absolutely not. But I am so glad that he offers it with a very simple message of hope that if you will just open up your heart to him, if you will just come to him, he will receive you today just as you are. Hear people all the time, well, you know, I need to get this straightened out. I need to do this before I can come to Jesus. No, you don't. You come to him as you are and you watch what he does to clean you up. He'll take care of all that. He just wants you to come to him and his arms are open. If you're seeking him, you will find him because he is seeking you. Do you know him today? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning. And I'm going to ask you that most important question that I want you to consider. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior today? Have you heard him call your name and you responded yes to him? If you have never done that, then right where you're at today, you can open up your heart to him. You can have this life-changing transformation just as Zacchaeus had that day. Jesus today loves you, and he accepts you just as you are. If you've done that in your life, is the fruit of that salvation showing? It immediately started showing in the life of Zacchaeus. Is it showing in your life today? What is God asking you to do? What is the fruit that needs to be seen from your life because of that transformation that you have had. Father, I thank you today again for your word. God, I pray for each one of us today that as you speak to our hearts, we would respond to you in whatever way you lead us. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just draw them close to you, that today they would know your love and they would receive that love as today they give their hearts to you. God, I pray for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, God, I pray that today would be a reminder of that life-changing transformation that we have had because of our encounter with Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that the fruit of that encounter, the fruit of that life change would shine for the world to see. God, we thank you for your wonderful love for us. That while we did not deserve it, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, and that salvation and hope come through him. God, would you do in us what only you can do? And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.